Welcome to Always Be Creating, a podcast about finding the small joys and trying new creative ways of expressing yourself. I'm Jake Lippman, and I'm the Producing Artistic Director of Tongue in Cheek Productions in New York City. I'm Maria Maloney. I'm an actor, singer, real estate lady, and a creative coach. Our guest today is the talented Tara Godomsky. She is a Sundance Night Fellow, an actor, director, writer, and a BBC radio producer. She works in both the US and UK, creating film, theater, and audio projects for people to feel less alone when they're beat up by the inequalities and false societal norms. Welcome, Tara. Just spent a little time rewriting that mission statement. So thank you for including it in my bio there. Oh, it's excellent. It covers all the bases, you know, all the many hats you wear, ways you are creative. So Tara, what inspired you to create your short film, I See You Now? Well, I guess there's two tracks to that answer. There's the inspiration for the story, what the the story is about, and then the inspiration for just making it. (laughs) So I'll just give you the little basics of the story. It's I See You Now. It's, It's a short film about a gay daughter trying to connect with her her religious father through weekly video calls during the lockdown period in 2020. And they very much struggle to connect as they have for many years. But the father finds an unlikely ally in his daughter's partner. And this helps him see both women in their full humanity. And the inspiration for the story, that story is really something I've been thinking about for a while. Um, I think many of us can relate to rejection from people we love for things in our life. And I have been considering what that would be like to be part of the LGBTQ plus community and have a parent completely ignore the fact that you have someone you love in your life. And I'd like to say I'm not part of the LGBTQ plus community. Obviously, I have a lot of loved ones who are. And there were several members of the cast and crew who are part of that community. So I really wanted to, I didn't want to, you know, take that experience and, and, you know, think that I could write about it. But it's, it's about a bigger overall feeling of being rejected. And then the second part is, I've been struggling a lot over the past years in sort of reconciling this dichotomy of very religious people also doing really good things. You know, when you look at how some churches have been providing refuge for immigrants in the U.S., providing fostering services and providing soup kitchens, and you see all this sort of good work. And then on the other side, sometimes you see the negative part of organized religion in terms of how they can reject groups of people. And I've always struggled with this dichotomy. So those things have been floating around in my head for a long time. And um, when the lockdown happened, I found myself without any work, without any prospect of any work in the near future. And, you know, I definitely panicked for several days. And then kind of, I've been a freelancer for my whole working life. So I, I guess just got back to hustling. I've always keep an eye on writing contests and writing prompts that various organizations put out. In particular, this was the BBC Writer's Room it's, it's a great website. It's actually the BBC Writers Room Opportunities page. It's a great resource because they'll just put up not only call outs for writing from the BBC, but also from theater companies and um, film production companies. And, you know, you can find things to submit your work to. And I always keep an eye on that, you know, look at it probably every few weeks. And it happened in those first couple weeks of lockdown. I looked on that. They were doing a call out for scripts that could, that were 
10 minutes or less, less than four people that were took place over video call, you know, that were set on video call. And honestly, I, you know, it's one of those moments of, I guess, magic, like right away, I had this idea because these thoughts about rejection and religion and had been floating around for some time in my brain. And right away, I had this idea of how I could write this story in three acts, where there is an arc for each character to sort of find a connection in this huge disconnect that they start out with. Yeah, so I wrote it, submitted it to the BBC, got a thank you, but no thank you. Although I I was slightly relieved they had received 6,800 scripts. They received, they let me know. And they were planning on making four. So I didn't feel that bad. So I, so I you know, got the no. And for a while, I, I'd say this is the hardest step, which I'll tell you about next is, you know, I had the idea for a while, found this potential outlet, wrote it, submitted it, got rejected. And this is the hardest step. I decided to make it anyway. Yeah, no, that's so inspiring, Tara. I have to say, you know, it's no secret I told Maria this, and I think I told, alleged, I told you a little bit about this when we saw each other, but after you told me about this film and I watched it and you had sort of this showing or screening, you said at the end, make stuff. And I got off that call and I said, Phil, that's what I want my podcast to be. I'd been sort of thinking about all the different ideas that it could be. Was it interviews with people, but what's the theme? What's the through line? And when you said make stuff, I was like, oh my God, that's totally it. And so you led me and Maria to have the conversation where we started this podcast because you made something. It was just like such a positive thing that you put out into the world. And I was really blown away by how beautiful it was. I'm honored, but you both also make a lot of things too, you know, (laughs) and have been doing it for years. Yeah, but I do think part of the thing about being in quarantine, and I'm just speaking for myself here, I found it really hard to follow through and do things. So the fact that you were able to identify something that interested you, you, you went ahead and wrote the thing. And then you put it together and all of the other steps that are you know, required to make a film and you produced it, you know, you, you wrote it, directed, produced it and cast it virtually. So I wanted to ask a little bit more about that. How did it work, you know, to put an entire film together virtually? Well, because I'm an actor as well, I had originally thought, well, I'd like to play the one role, you know, a lot of times we're writing things for ourselves. But like, as I said, I really wanted that the role of Jess, um, the daughter, to be played by uh, an actor from the LGBTQ community. And right away, I- I'll be honest with you, because I've been around a while, I know a lot of great people. You know, that's that's part of it. And I think, but I think that's, it's not just luck. It's sort of, it's, it's, it's just being out there, it's doing things. And I knew Amy Russ from actually an acting classes that we took together for a couple of months only that we happened to be in the same class, but she was, you know, this is sort of a testament to just sort of being a cool person. You know, she was a very nice, kind person. And I thought she was a fantastic actor. And even though I hadn't seen her, you know, for a few years, she was the first person I thought of for that role. And the same with Mike Callahan, who played the dad. He is someone I did theater with, oh my gosh, probably again, five, six years ago, and just always was in my head as a great guy. He's actually 80. So I really needed an actor who who was who who had not just the look of a person who was 80, but who had the life experience, you know, and that all of that that comes with it. So I, I, I got in touch with both of them, asked them to read the script, obviously, before they, you know, would say yes. And they both were very happy with it. Obviously, I was really wanted to make sure I got Amy's, I'll say blessing, but that Amy like was agreed with the story and thought it wasn't 
something that I was trying to co-opt and that I and she really felt it and she said she she felt it it was uh, very realistic so now because I'm a member of Screen Actors Guild and as is Amy I wanted to do it through Screen Actors Guild SAG-AFTRA union they have a contract called the short project agreement which I've produced before it's very if I could tell you one thing the listeners one thing it's it's not that hard to produce under sag yes there's a little bit more paperwork there's a little bit more you know timekeeping and things like that you have to do but it's worth it to be able to use you know the union actors you want to but it also protects them and it protects you everything is laid out you can defer pay if you don't have a budget which in this case i didn't and i got in touch with sag they had a lot a lot of questions they wanted to make sure that i really wasn't going to go to amy and mike's house and film them i said no i promise we're actually shooting this via zoom via video call they wanted to make sure i wasn't sending anything to their house which i appreciate that they wanted to make sure that the actors were going to be safe so they're not we're not getting you know they're not getting anything they're just going to use their own computers and once um, they were happy with it, SAG approved it, and uh, we went forward. That's such a great, it's so great to hear that you were able to conceive of it, reach out to some people, and it sounds like in relatively short order, the whole thing came together. What was the process of shooting it like? Yeah, it really did come together quickly. And again, because there were so many limitations to it, you know, I I knew we, they were going to be in their homes. I walked through, I had a day with each of them where I kind of walked through ideas of where they would be, you know, so with Amy, with Amy, she had one set, she was sitting at like, just like a lot of us, right? We, we had the place in our house where we do the Zoom, you know? So I thought that worked for that character. She was in the same place all the time. And it looked like, and she's in New York City, it looked like a real New York City apartment. She's right next to her, like air conditioner, window air conditioner, you know? And uh, Mike, I, I, that was a little bit of a struggle because I wanted his apartment in New York City to look like a country house in somewhere well in 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 north florida specifically so we had to find a room in his house that looked like that there's also a sort of part of the plot line or story is that dad um doesn't know really how to use a video call so we had to play around a bit so mike had to sort of be a camera operator in a way because he had to like move the camera around but in character like trying to figure out how to use it so we just had to find places in his house that weren't going to look like you know he was living in this like cool New York City apartment, which he does. So that was that was um, I guess part of it. So that took you know not not much time just to schedule it. One thing is I really wanted to be conscious of the actor's energy and time because I find this time especially. So this was when we were planning it. It was April and we shot it mid May. You know this was a time where. Well, a, a lot of people were really struggling with like energy because we were really in the middle of this, of a lot of fear. We were trying to figure things out still. I mean, you know, in, in here in cities, we were, I'm in Philadelphia, in, there in New York, people were in, in serious lockdown and it was, a, there was a lot of fear. So I wanted to be very cautious to not be demanding of them. So I really asked them a lot for their input on schedule and how we could do it. They were both very honest with it. You know, like Amy said, listen, I'm on all day long on Saturday because she teaches. She's like, I do not want to be on the computer on Sunday. So please, we just can't schedule on Sunday. And I and I appreciated that, you know, because I wanted her to do her best and I didn't want to like this to be a burden. So we found a day that was great for everybody and we went for it. Now, this is interesting. I also planned, well, I don't know if it's interesting or not. <laughs> it's interesting to me. I decided to plan, plan it like an actual shoot in terms of they got real breaks, the actors. So we shot it in acts 
And after each act, I'm like, okay, we're logging off now. You're going to go go away for 20 minutes, get something to drink, go to craft, your own craft services in your house and take a moment. And just, you know, so so they got real breaks. I didn't want them to be on Zoom for three hours. So it was almost like doing a play, you know, because I, I didn't, although I was edited a little bit between gallery view and the speaker view. So sometimes just one person was on screen, but most of the time I wanted both of them on screen, mm-hmm. the gallery view. So they really had to do it in 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 full takes, and I had to sort of pick the best, the one that I liked the most. So it's kind of like doing a play for each of them, and um, that's why they also really needed those breaks after at the end of each act. Not to mention, I think what a great thing that you could draw upon their skills that you'd worked with Amy in a classroom context. So she, you knew she was good in person. It wasn't like you just watched her from the other side if you were in a film situation with her, and that you'd worked on a play with what was the actor's name with Mike right so that's really cool that that training came into play and also the fact that they weren't even in the same city as you one of the few advantages this time that you could draw upon actors in just about any time zone that was willing to line up and do a shoot together that's right yeah and you know in terms of other crew I I you know again I was because also I, I was kind of looking at this as an experiment I didn't know what was going to happen with it I mean I'd certainly never shot a film on zoom before I mean I had to learn really I had meetings on zoom you know but I had I had to learn how to like think things like you can if you upgrade to zoom pro and this is not a commercial for zoom I went with zoom because at the time it was so much in the zeitgeist you know everybody was like all of a sudden and using zoom and I just thought that would be what Jess the character would use for her meetings and so that's why she would set dad up with zoom and and also the look it was a bit it was it was sort of at the time that the the simplest um interface if you get zoom if you upgrade to the zoom pro which i did just for the month because again i wanted to make this as less expensive as possible you can set set it so you can record in hd so you can record the audio separately so you can record separate separate video files for both the gallery and the speaker view. So so I had options then to play with in the edit. So that's why I did that. But in terms of like other crew, I know other people are shooting Zoom films on Zoom where they will have a DP, a director of photography, work with the actor, you know, to set the light. But, you know, I just, I, I, I know enough about it. And I also kind of wanted to look like a real Zoom call. So I didn't want it to look like super slick. So I didn't, the only, I did uh, Luz Cabrales, who is a film director in Scranton, Pennsylvania, that I know from working on other films. I had her come on as assistant director because I just thought, you know, I need a second pair of eyes while we're filming this, you know, because it's always more fun to have someone working on it with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can't be, you know, think that you're going to know everything. Right. So she was good at like catching things that I didn't. So that's all that was. It was just the four of us. And, you know, we shot it in a few hours at one night and then I edited it myself on Adobe Premiere, which I kind of learned as I went along. How long did it take for you to do the editing? A few days. Uh, oh, yeah, because it again, because it was su- it's such a simple edit. It really just mostly picked my favorite take of each act. And, you know, I, I, the beginning and end of each act, I had the actors in single shots. So that was what I had to edit. And then, you know, trying to tweak the audio and mix in the music. Music, by the way, by Marlena Donato, who's a wonderful musician who I also just know from through the years. And she's she she watched the rough cut and just felt inspired. It wasn't a hard edit. You know, it was it was a good edit for like the first film I was going to edit because, you know, it wasn't that complicated with a lot of different shots. That's so cool. And then at the end of it, did you decide, well, I've made this thing. Now I'm going to showcase it to people in a certain way. Yeah. You know, when I finished it, I, I had that moment where I was like, I don't know how people are going to react to a Zoom film, but 
let me see. So I did a, a small screening just for, for the cast and crew and for some friends. And I know, Jake, you were there and I got a you know, good feeling from that. So yeah, so I started, I thought, okay, let me submit it to some film festivals. So Film Freeway is how I submit to film festivals. That's a pretty easy way to do it because you basically upload your file to it or you link to it from from where you, you're hosting it. Like I have it hosted on Vimeo, you know, password protected, and then you attach that to a Film Freeway account. And then you sub- then you can just submit to all the different festivals through Film Freeway. Each festival does have a fee, unfortunately, but that has to be part of your budget. And so I looked on there and, and as it happened, a lot of film festivals started either having special coronavirus diary or corona or pandemic categories. Yeah, it's a whole subcategory of festival. We submitted actually currently we're running this week. It's while we're, when we're recording this, the Brighton Rocks Film Festival at Brighton in the UK, where we actually won best coronavirus film yeah. all online. You know, they couldn't do a physical festival. And uh, later this month, in, later in August, it's um, going to be filming at the Mindfield Film Festival in Albuquerque, also online, which I'm really bummed because I'd love to go to Albuquerque. And I have to say, I, I just wanted to call out, there were some really cool things that happened with the way you shot the film in terms of the father was often in portrait view and the daughter was in landscape view. And I thought that was a really nice contrast the way you, you did that. It, because I think of sometimes, you know, parents or whatever, older generation, maybe not holding it the right way. And you don't, you see part of their forehead when you should see their entire face. I just thought there were so many lovely touches that made it very naturalistic and very intimate. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, those were definitely choices, you know, I made. And the idea was that, you know, the daughter, she's on her computer, she's on her computer all day long. That's what she is. She uses a computer. Dad doesn't even have a computer. The only reason he's able to do this is because she had sent him a phone. You know, we came up with like a backstory. So it just, it helped the actors as well. Kind of, you know, Mike Callahan is a, you know, proficient person. He can use the computer, but, you know, as his character didn't. So he was on his phone and didn't know how to use it. You're right. And was in landscape mode. And half the time, you know, you couldn't really see his face. So that was definitely a choice we made and also to make it, you know, a little visually different too. So it wasn't just these two people the whole time and, but also further character development as well. So thanks for noting that. Yeah, it's very naturalistic. The the thing I I wish that the sound was a little less naturalistic. (laughs) It's, there's a lot of like, you know, "Mm," things that you get on Zoom. I didn't notice it. Plus I have to imagine you can justify it. It's almost like making a piece of theater that's inspired by the space, you know, a devised piece that's, framed around the space. That's what it reminded me of, that you're using all of the natural restraints and situation to its advantage. I mean, you couldn't have made that film prior to the pandemic happening. You wouldn't have known to do it. Right, exactly. You know, and and that's that is amazing when I think about it. And as I said, because I had this idea, I didn't ha- I didn't have the idea of the story floating around in my head for a while. I just had these random concepts of like, religious people who are really helpful with soup kitchens and, you know, a person who's gay whose parent refuses to acknowledge their partner. And I just had these random ideas. And you're right, strangely, this sort of pandemic put them all together into this story. They always say that, you know, restrictions can make you a better artist, right? So I think in this case, uh, the restrictions, not only of the, the tech restrictions of sort of doing it by Zoom and not being able to be in the same room as anybody, but also the restrictions of, you know, where we were and just the, you know, my own life of like not knowing what was going to happen and, you know, having no work and just thinking like, well, I'm just going to make something. You know, I, I do want to say that to, to everybody that, you know, I happen to deal with things by doing stuff like that's my processing. And so, but if another person is like, oh, I couldn't make a film because I'm just trying to like 
my way of dealing with it is just by relaxing. Like that's totally valid and awesome too. So just if you're listening, you're like, oh my God, if whatever you're doing is to, to cope is the right thing. My coping mechanism just happens to be like working and doing stuff. And that's just because I don't know. Well, knowing what you know now, have other things been floating around in your head for ideas to make another film virtually like this? I don't know if I'll make another one, but I will say this. Look out for other people making them because there are some beautiful ones. I'll tell you, you know, watching now these other films that are in these festivals that I'm in, people have come up with really creative ways of using this technology. I'm not sure I'll do another one, but I encourage people to do it because it it doesn't, it's not much risk. There's not much risk involved, you know, in doing it because you're not going to lay out a lot of money or even a lot of time, frankly. That's one of the things I think, you know, I'm inspired by you that it wasn't, you didn't necessarily know it was going to become and that you were going to submit it to festivals. I think the act of making something is very helpful. And it also seemed like it gave you a, a purpose in this time that is without time and bounds and all these other things happening. So to give yourself a purpose and a thing to do and to create and be hopeful and joyful and put something out there, I think that's enough of a reason to be creative right now. Maybe you don't get to do a big feature film right now. You know, maybe that's not in the cards for this particular moment. Eventually, they're, they are starting filming again in some places. No, that's a really good point, Jake, because it did feel really good to have a job during the day. Because I, I like, honestly, like on March 12th or 13th, whatever, I think it was the 12th, I had three jobs that I had booked. Just like, it was like one after another, people were calling me, sorry, canceled, we're canceled, you know, and that was terrifying and also, you know, and also difficult. So I think that, that it really, right, this kind of gave me a job to do every day for a few weeks, you know, and I got it out there and, and it still is because now, you know, being with film festivals and trying to keep up with that, you know, the, the promotion of it. So that's been exciting. And that's something I'm, I'm very poor at. So I, but I'm, I'm working on the getting better at that. And you won two festivals or you, you were admitted to two festivals, even saying that you weren't necessarily going after it that much. So, so remarkable. And you recently shot a quarantine teaser for your feature film, The Natural Mother. So what was the process and goal of doing this teaser? So that was the other job I gave myself in lockdown. And that came from the fact that I have a a feature film script. It's in development. But this is the script that Sundance has supported with the Knight Fellowship. And the my mentor, I guess, with Sundance has suggested I shoot a proof of concept, which is a proof of concept for a feature. Is, it's like a short version, you know, of, of a feature film just to show what you would do. There's a lot of really whiplash is one of the most famous films that started, you know, their short proof of concept for that film actually was an actual scene from the film. Other people shoot, you know, like prequels or so there's so that had written a a proof of concept. And the idea is, you know, you write that you get it out there and people go, okay, I trust her, we'll give her money to make a feature. So I was working towards doing that this summer, the proof of concept, but obviously once March happened, I knew that wasn't going to be possible. So I, I thought, well, I want to keep working on this and I want to, you know, keep working on the character development. I want to keep working on directing skills. I want to actually, to be honest with you, show Sundance that I'm continuing to work on it too and show, you know, and, 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 you know, for other 
grant making bodies and other potential funders to say like, listen, you know, I've been locked down like everybody else for months, but I kept working on this feature. I can really do this, you know? So, so I would, I got in touch with a few actors that I know to mostly ones that are with my agency, because I thought that would be a good, you know, way of also like other actors that are, that are with the same agent as I do, of just sort of staying, you know, fresh and my, of course, my manager was thrilled about that. So I got in touch and that was different because I didn't really want to do this as like a, a, a final piece that was narrative. It was more about character development and practicing directing. So I just had the actors use whatever they had available to film in their house. Like some had like, you know, an Earl, an iPhone 6, others had iPhone 11s, you know, so whatever they had or other another one guy had a black magic camera. So whatever they had, I said, do whatever you feel comfortable with. So as if they were doing a self tape. But then I came, was on Zoom and would direct them on Zoom so I could see them. And we did like a lot of takes and a lot of different ways and like would push them different ways. So to me, it was a really, I really appreciate those actors because it was like a directing class for me, like pushing them in different ways to find, you know, different ways of doing it. I think most of the actors seemed to like it because again, you know, it was something to do, a character to work on. So then I edited that together and that, you know, again, now, like I already sent it in with a couple of grant applications with this idea of like, during the quarantine, I made this teaser for my feature. It's not, you know, technically perfect at all. You know, the, the sound and, and video quality is varies because it depended on what the actors had. But this is an idea of like the characters that I'm there that are in my feature and a little bit of how they would interact. So that is amazing. So what do you do when you are feeling less inspired uh, to, to get yourself back on track to feeling creative again? I have so many ideas that are in my head. And just like I'm sure all of you, just like Jake and Maria and a lot of people listening, there's so many things that are in my head. And I try to write down, you know, a sentence or two in a book when something new comes to me. There's always something I want to be writing or editing or working on. But in, but am I ever like not really inspired to start the work start the work like to get there and sit down and do it sometimes but I'll be honest with you I think it comes from the fact that you know I've been a freelancer my whole working life that's over 20 years so there really isn't a there's never been in my life the I guess luxury of going oh I can't deal with this I'm you know, because I've always, even when I'm tired, I've had to go like, I've got to find some work for next week. You know, it's not always healthy. And in fact, I've been actually trying to do the opposite. I've been trying to actually during this time, actually stop, you know, and take time off. And I'm like, no, I'm not working on Sundays or I'm, I, you know, I'm going to try and like read a book. So I think my bigger problem is not to feel inspired. It's to actually stop. And I think if I, if I, if, you know, in a way, maybe this, lesson of making I see you now the film during quarantine was is a lesson for me to stop because there were you know there was two weeks where I did stop because we're like what's what's happening having forced time off of like not being able to do anything and 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 but then also forcing myself to calm down gave me this inspiration so I think I, I need to do that more and just take I need to take time off more and just and just be away so I will say I have been like you know running and you know hiking and things like that to try and get away and that does that does help kind of just re- reset my brain I think you gave us a perfect answer because it's a little bit like, what? how are you going to find your happiness? And so if you're happy being busy, then that's great. But if you also need to remind yourself that it's okay to not be busy all the time, you don't have to always be creating that literally every hour of every day. In fact, some people don't have, you know, that same level of 
commitment to it. You know, maybe it's that they only get to do it on the weekends, let's say. But for you, maybe you're flipping that on its head and you find the time to decompress and to check out of being on. Yes, exactly. And 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 the always be creating too, which I, I love is not necessarily like, as you say, having to make a film. It's it's like, I don't know, writing, you know, taking a few moments to write a couple lines of a poem or, or trying, you know, some new rearrange your the, your living room, you know, like that's being creative, you know, in a way that just and, and so so I would don't discount those things because they're part of being an artist, too. And I think they're really important. And th- that is creative, you know. Amen. I think that's Absolutely. a great place to stop. Thank you so much for doing this interview today, Tara. Thank you, Tara and Jake. This is so fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Always Be Creating. This episode was produced and edited by me, Jake Lippman. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Always Be Creating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.